comes in the church as well, it's just, it's a blessing because you carry something too. And today, I mean, we're going to talk about moms for sure, but we're going to talk about women because women are meant to be mothers, whether you're able to give birth or not, right? That's That was the plan of God from the beginning of time, that we were called as women created to mother. And so men, don't check out on this message because I'm going to address you as well for your role in supporting women as well and encouraging and building up and and the role together. But the focus today, also don't feel rejected because Father's Day is around the corner, so we'll talk about you then. (laughs) Yeah, but today we are talking about the women here today and God's design for us. So we're going to turn to Genesis, right? At the very beginning of all things creation, Genesis chapter 1, in verse 26, I'm going to read Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 28. And it says, then God said, now uh, this is after he created everything. All the days of creation are completed. Well, not all of them. He's on the last day. And he says, then God said, let us make man, which is mankind, let us make mankind in our image, according to our likeness, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity. Let us make mankind in our image and according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every living thing that moves on the earth. So God created all things, and then he creates mankind, right? He he doesn't just say, um, right, we're going to read in chapter 2 how he creates man and says it's not good that man's alone. The male was not enough on his own. And that's an incredible thing because in verse 26 of this chapter, we see he says, let us make mankind in our image. So male and female, he created them. He created male and female to reflect the unity of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, living in perfect love, perfect unity, and perfect harmony together as one, submitting to one another, right? Jesus submitted himself to the Father. The Father's love was over the Son, and there was never this, like, there was never angst. Jesus didn't have a problem submitting to the Father. The word submission, Jesus didn't have a problem with because the love of the Father was constant over him. It led him into submission. And then it says, and we will have them rule over all things, all the creatures, all the earth. They're going to subdue it together as a team, right? So we see from the beginning of time the plan of God for men and women together to walk as one and reflect who God is in the earth. So man couldn't have done it alone. Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 24 Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. 
out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle. He gave names to everything. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him, right? So all these animals are coming, and they're like, nope, that won't be good. Nope, that's not a good partner for him. Nope, that's not going to show or reflect who God is. It says, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because this was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. So this is the first mention of father and mother and there aren't even any fathers and mothers yet. Isn't that kind of interesting that Adam all of a sudden says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. They haven't had children yet. They don't even know what, I mean, how do they know what mother and father is? Maybe because they see animals procreating already and they see parents or they had revelation already in that moment of what a mother and a father were. It was before they even had children that there was mother and father. Now Eve, her name meant mother of all living things. So this was really interesting to me that Eve, there's a there's a sev- a bunch of references to mother, right? But there are a couple in the Old Testament that, to me, show uh, attributes or characters. Because, right, men show a part of who God is. Women show a different part of who God is. We were both made in his likeness. It wasn't just men because God's father. The Trinity reflects mother and father. The Trini- Trinity reflects men and women. We reflect who they are, right? So women have a very specific role in reflecting who God is. If you want, there's toys downstairs, too, if she would want to play and bring them up, like bring up the toy with her. That might help her, but if it doesn't, it's fine. We're we're old enough that we can focus still. <laughs> we're not young. Um, so in Genesis 3.20, it says she was called the mother of all living things. That's a very incredible title. She gave birth to all living things. She's It's like she's giving life. And isn't that so true of women, I think? Number one, we give birth to life can't do it on our own but we give birth from our being jesus was born of a woman and this very incredible moment gives birth brings life to something into the earth but then we cultivate that life but then also in judges 5 7 deborah was called a mother in israel and if you remember deborah she was a judge uh, a prophet and a judge over the nation of Israel, the very fr- well, the only w- one mentioned that was a woman. 
And that's incredible because it was in like a man's world, right? In their culture, women were not very valued. And I think if you look into other religions and other cultures, how much they devalue women, even in our own culture, how much we devalue women and, and kind of uh, put them down to the level of a thing to be owned, right? That's in our culture, a prize to be received and just taken. And it's like that's a devaluing of women, of what God designed us to be. That's never how it was meant to be, just a prize to be won. No, she is a treasure. She is a prize, but that's not all that she is. We were created to reflect who the the, uh, God of the universe is. And Deborah, I mean, when I think of my mom, she is fierce. She's not only life-giving and loving and kind, but she's a fierce woman. He's going to like, he has such a particularity of the, I'm speaking of Tommy, women and woman. (laughs) I'm sure I'm mixing them up so many times. I do mix them up. So um, mother and Deborah was a mother in Israel, but she was judging the nation. She's fierce. She's holding a position of power and authority, but they call her mother. There's a difference. They don't. They're not looking at her and thinking like fearful prophet, fearful judge. She's judging righteously, sitting under a tree, prophesying. She she wins the war because the men were too afraid and they call her mother. Mothers are fierce. I mean, if you're a mother, we have two in here today. You know what's inside of you when something comes about your children. And whether they're little or whether they're older, something comes over you, this fierce protection for your children, this fierce love for your children that you would give up anything and everything to help them, to come to them in their need. And how much of an imitation of God is that, right? The fierce love of God. That's not just because that's who we are in nature. We're reflecting who he is. When you feel that fierce love for your children, that's God's fierce love for you and for us, which is an incredible thing. And it's I, I want to say, too, because it's not just for, I mean, you guys have experienced it in a different way because you've born children but even for those who have not yet, spiritual children. I remember when I was serving in Haiti and taking care of the kids night and day, it was like they became my own. I had this like protective love about them. Like I needed to, I, I wanted to give them everything that they needed. I wanted to show them Jesus. I wanted to teach them that. I wanted them to grow in that. My entire being was for their well-being. And again, that's just in us, nurturing, caring, investing, which is reflecting who God is. Now we're going to look in Ephesians, which is a very common passage talking about the household. It's one of Paul's letters to the church of Ephesians. And he's actually writing uh, about the how to 
act in the household of faith, right? But in chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Ephesians 5, verse 1, therefore be imitators of God. So he starts this whole section off, be imitators of God as beloved children. He's addressing men and women together. Be imitators of God. And he's so he goes on to say what that's supposed to look like. And then he comes up to the place where he tells us what it's supposed to look like in the family unit to be an imitator of God. Again, like we just heard, we're made in his image. So the mother, the wife, the woman have a clear role to be an imitator of God to reflect his nature. And the men have a different clear role in how they're meant to reflect his nature. So he's saying, be imitators of God, and then it gets to verse 22. In the same mindset, be imitators of God. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. So just like we talked about in the beginning, I think in our culture too today, you know, with the feminist movement and well, like, I am woman, hear me roar, which is kind of like a pushback against all the devaluing of women. Women are saying, I've been devalued and I recognize that, so I push back, but it be it's become something twisted and outside God's design with the feminist movement. But today we have a problem with submission, right? Sometimes it's like you get to this passage and you're like, well, I will only submit if. Why do I have to be the one to submit? And it, all this type of stuff comes up inside. But in the Trinity, do you think that Jesus has any problem submitting to the Father? No. Do you think when he said that I only do what I see the Father doing, he was submitting himself to the way of the Father? He had no problem with that. It didn't cause any angst in him or frustration about why can't I be the most powerful one. He delighted to submit himself to the Father in perfect unity. But why? He was experiencing the love of the Father continually. He knew that the Father loved him. So this is a little different because we're in a fallen world, right? We don't live in that perfect perfect unity but this is what we're striving after to reflect so wives be subject to your own husbands as we subject ourselves to husbands or just to authority what are we doing we're reflecting Jesus into the spiritual realm it's something so much greater than me just denying myself it's actually a, a, a reflection of who he is within the trinity in the earth it's something so much bigger than just myself. And I think that we need to remind ourselves of that regularly when it's difficult to do. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Now I want to focus on the next part. Husbands love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, love your wives 
in the same way that Christ loved the church. Now, that's a pretty high calling for the men here, to love your wives in the same way that Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He sacrificed his love, his love, his life for her. He gave up everything. He denied himself daily, every single day to win her over. That's the way that Christ loved the church, sacrificing and serving. He said, I did not come here to be served, but to serve and to give my life up as a ransom for many. Men, you did not get married to be served, but to serve and give your life up for your wife. To reflect Jesus in the earth. And it shouldn't be something that says, oh, man, really? I thought getting a wife was going to mean she cooks for me, she cleans the house, she takes care of the kids. That is not the picture that Christ is showing us. Yeah. He's showing us something so much greater that if we were to live in that reality, how it would reflect in the earth where the husbands are loving, sacrificing, and serving for their wives, and the wives and mothers are living in submission to their husbands, and that powerful unity and reflection is saying, this is the heart of our God that submits one to another, that serves one another, that, that doesn't say, no, I need my way. Neither side says that. Verse 28, so husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Men, you are to nourish and cherish your wives, the women in your life nourish and cherish those are two incredible words and pictures nourish that means to feed you're supposed to cook for us no i'm just kidding <laughs> jk yeah jay's like <laughs> nourish to keep us healthy in the word. It says to wash us with the water of the word, to be the head of the household, to nourish our spirit, to edify us. Nourish and then cherish. The word cherish, that's a beautiful word. That's to hold in high esteem, to protect, to guard, to love. Now, women, if, if that was the men in our lives doing that, how much more would we say, oh, definitely want to submit <laughs> if we're cherished and nourished? We're supposed to do it regardless of that. But s I'm saying look at the picture that God painted for us of how it's meant to look. We're being nourished and cherished and loved. 
And then in response, we respect, we submit, we honor. It's such a beautiful picture of the unity of the Trinity, where we place each other higher than ourselves. And then it goes on, for this reason, it says the same thing Adam has said in Genesis. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they're connected, these two scriptures. Paul is going back to the very beginning where Adam said, for this reason, the man shall leave and be united to his wife, and they become one flesh so that we could reflect who? God. We become one in unity with one another. And then it goes on to say, of the parents, children, obey your parents. This is chapter 6. Honor your father and mother. And then it talks about fathers and what the role of the father is. But God has given us this, uh, this clear role. And I'm going to end today. Well, not com- we're, we're nearing the end. <laughs> it's not like I'm going to say the end and then have like five more endings. It's one of those. Proverbs 14 This scripture hit me and has been like a a staple passage of scripture for me in many years. Proverbs 14.1, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. We have a choice, ladies. We can either serve to build our house, to submit to our husbands, to our authorities, to honor, to respect, to raise our children. We build our house with hospitality, with kindness, with gentleness, reflecting his heart with fierce love. Or we can choose to tear it down with our own hands. We have this opportunity to be a reflection of who he is, his kindness, gentleness. I I was reminded of the story, and I did share it last year, but I want to share it again. You all know that I hold my mom in such high esteem. She she and my dad had 12 children together, 13. She had one miscarriage, but 12 of us. And my dad left her when the 12th was born, two years after that. And then he was married two years later to the woman he had an affair with. Devastating. She then had to stay with us 12 by herself, raising us. And she was a pillar in the house. And that just shows God. You know, she says that in that first year, she went every night to the church. She got a key. And after everyone was in bed, she went to the church and prayed from 9 to midnight and wept and cried, and God became her strength there. And she began to call God her husband. But she tells this story. I think she had five or six children at the time, and her her first eight children were seven years old and younger, if you can believe. So seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, and a baby. 
and she was there and she had felt called to the nation. She had felt like God had given her this major calling on her life to go. She and my dad both. But when you have that much children, what's your time spent doing? Taking care of children. They were all little. So she was in church one day and she was just frustrated and tired. And she said, she started to pray and she said, God, what about my ministry? What's my ministry? They had just preached about it in church. And she said, God, what's my ministry? Give me my ministry. And she heard the Lord say, Marnie, look down. And she went, no, no, I'm, t- I'm not talking about my kids. I'm talking about my ministry. What do you have for me? What's the mission that you want us to, what do you want us to do? And he said, Marnie, look down. And she did not want to because what this meant her in that moment was not sexy. It didn't have this, ooh, glam. I go into a mission field. Everyone's going to know me. It's in your house every day doing seven loads of laundry, I think she said, daily and cooking meals and cleaning the house and putting kids to bed and spankings galore because we did spankings in my family. We thank God for it. (laughs) But what was God saying? These are your ministry. I have given you the greatest calling of all time to raise these children up to change the world. To change the world the world. And this is where it speaks to all of us, right? Mothering, whether spiritual children or natural children, is a ministry from God. And see, it's not like it's a a glorious, like, easy thing all the time when your kid's two years old and running everywhere, right? You might be saying, God, give me another ministry, (laughs) I'll put my kid in daycare or, you know, I'll get a babysitter full time or something like that. What's my other ministry? And he's saying, no, don't you see? This is the greatest thing you could do, investing in the another's life. That's why spiritual mothering, once your child rearing is done, which it never really is, right, Marie? You're still child rearing. (laughs) You're still going with your own kids and then their kids now too. But even after they're grown up and out of your house, there's spiritual mothering to be done. It's a call on us as women to raise up, to pour in to the next generation, to invest in other women, to invest in the next generation to reflect who he is, his fierce love, his nurturing love, his kind love. It's something within us that's different than men, right? We can see that clearly, that women, like, your child gets hurt, and you're like, oh, what's wrong? We'll put a Band-Aid on it. I'll kiss it. The dad's like, rub some dirt in it. Walk it off. You'll be fine. And those two roles are so important, right? They're both important. They both reflect God. Sometimes the kid needs to be said to walk, told to walk it off. But a lot of times that nurturing, that love, that care from a mom, nothing can replace that. And that reflects who God is toward us. So don't forsake it. 
I think I could testify of all these ladies here today that you all live that already. Like just naturally, you live out this nurturing, caring, loving, compassionate heart of the Father towards those around you here in this building, but in your families, in other places that you go. I mean, it's so clear in all of you. Yeah, clap, clap, clap. Where would we be without that, right? This care, this love, this nurturing. I just wanted to, when I was thinking about this and praying through this, what I heard from God, what he spoke to me was, remind them that they're reflecting me in what they do and in who they are. That it's not just a menial, like these menial tasks of the mundane day-to-day stuff. Don't get caught or trapped in the drudgery of the day-by-day that can happen, especially when you have little kids and it's a constant work. But when you can remind yourself that you're reflecting God in the earth, And it doesn't matter if anyone else sees you because the spiritual realm, like we've talked about so many times, it is a shout in the spiritual realm that says this is who God is. This is our God. He loves. He nurtures. He nurturers. He is humble. He is kind. He is good. He's compassionate. So I want to encourage us today, be the wise women who build your homes, who build your homes. Tearing it down is tearing it down with gossip, with bitterness, with unforgiveness. That's how you'll tear your home down. That's not how we were designed. That was not God's intention for us. With pointing the finger, with judgment, with criticism, That's how you tear your house down. We build it up by speaking life with compassion, with nurturing, with giving of ourselves, caring, loving. And I'm going to end with these scriptures from Proverbs. This is the, you know, the scripture that so many um, read on today. But I just want to read it as a reminder Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 12, and then 25 through 31. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. That's you today. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. This is one of my favorite. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the future. She can laugh at the future. I want you to hear that again. She can laugh at the future. Marie, right? This is the testimony I've been saying. She laughs at the future. She sees what's been said as a bad thing, and she goes, ha, 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 my confidence is in something greater. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She laughs at the future. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over her household 
and does not eat the bread of idleness. That's not what we were made to do, to be idle, to be lazy. It's not in us. She doesn't eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. So, Father, today we just thank you for the way that you created us to reflect who you are as men and women. And I pray, God, that you would seal these things in our hearts as ladies today to pursue, to reflect you, God, in the things that you've called us to do, to build our homes, to invest, to give, to not be idle, to not tear it down, but to build it up. Father, we thank you that you've placed in us this fierce love. You've given us a place in your kingdom to rule and to reign with you. And I pray, God, that you would infuse confidence in us of those things of which you've called us to. We thank you for it today. God bless every mother here today and every woman here today. In Jesus' name, bless and encourage and build up that she would feel valued more than treasure, more than rubies today. She would feel valued because of who you are. Father, I thank you for the men here today, for Stephen, Jay, Tommy, and even for Nick. God, I thank you for these men that you have given the high calling to love their wives and the women in their life as you love your church, to sacrifice and serve her. I pray, God, that you would so fill these men with your love that even today that they would overflow seeing the women in their lives the way that you see them. Let it be today, Jesus, that all of our eyes and our hearts are changed to see rightly, to reflect rightly. We love you, God, and thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen.